0: Are you ready to take action to attain the lifestyle of your dreams? It's a great way to make a lot of money fast, fast,
1: fast. Hey, welcome back to the Clever Investor Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the OG Clever Investor, your boy, Cody Sperber. We're here in the studio. We got Christian in the house today. What up? Christian Kata, a commercial real estate investing and developing genius. Super excited to have you on the show. We got. My business partner, Brian Apples, back again. And uh, today's show is going to be kind of fun because Christian, who is our partner in all things commercial real estate investing, is in the studio to school us today on some commercial stuff. Because, you know, a lot of us dumb single family guys, we got into the business, we spent all this time house hustling only to wake up one day and realize we're paying too much in taxes. We're not making enough per project for the time we're spending. And there's a big league out there. And it's not that scary. It's not that far off. It's not that uh, it, it, you need to get into it. And so I wanted this podcast to be all about how do we unpack the commercial side of things that we're doing. About two, three years ago, we made a decision. We're shifting out of the single family space. It's going to take some time because we had all these big projects going but you remember that conversation, Brian? I was like, dude, we got to get out of the single family space,
0: bro. I I know that transaction wise, you know, you could do a hundred transactions in the residential space. You could do one, two, three, or four in the commercial space and make about the same amount of money. So where do you want to put your time? Right. And we wanted to put our time in the commercial and there's a difference. There's multifamily, which is not considered commercial, even though it's a commercial type of investment. That's not how we're, we're going to talk about today residential and multifamily has its play, but this is something completely different. And for the viewers, you guys are in for a real treat. Let's go.
1: Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about shopping centers. We're going to be talking about triple net single tenant leases and development plays in the commercial space. So, all right. So first off, Christian, how long you've been, you're a commercial real estate agent. How long you've been doing that?
2: I was a commercial real estate agent. So I was a broker for 20 years. I worked for nothing but commercial developers, guys that built Home Depot, Target, Walmart, anchored shopping centers. They put me out on all the little pads out in front doing the, you know, Walgreens, Starbucks deals, all that. So that's where I cut my teeth. Um, I never actually worked for one of the big commercial shops. I never worked for CBRE uh, Jones Lang LaSalle, Cushman Wakefield, just worked for those developers, getting an inside look at how they structured all these deals from start to finish. Because at what twenty what was I twenty five years old? You know me this whole time. Oh yeah, yeah, twenty five years old, starting in the in the commercial. I never did a residential deal. Like not, not <laughs> no I, didn't, one. I didn't even buy my own house. My <laughs> wife, Brian, Brian helped us and my wife had her license. Like That's amazing. I, I didn't even know how the, com- the residential contract worked. I'm like calling Brian, like Brian, what's this clause here? <laughs> um, So I jumped straight into commercial because my parents did that. And my parents did what you guys are doing with apartments I mean, you met my dad. Mm-hmm. Fr- Frankie s- says he was flipping houses and doing wholesale before you guys gave it a term.
1: No, we were yeah. wearing diapers back <laughs> then. Yeah, yeah he, he was. was like, I he was, I was doing.
2: I was doing this before you guys were around, and and so they, you know, they had at one point like three thousand apartment units, and then. I never liked apartments. I saw my dad get phone calls at like three o'clock in the morning that the toilet was clogged and he's getting out of bed to go help someone.
0: Gosh. Use- I remember when we moved down from Washington state, cause we went to college. Yep. Other, we stayed in turn- my parents' apartment. And, yeah. and your parents bought a house and we house hacked it in college. Yep. It was called the G Spot. Yeah. Right. And we don't <laughs> yeah. wait, 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 wait. I got to hear some <laughs> stories about the G Spot. It was the G Spot
1: because it, it was where all the black good black times happened. Oh, good
0: times, huh? <laughs> but we literally moved out of a fraternity, got a house, and then we rented out all the rooms. And it actually had a detached casita. Yeah. And his, and, and I, your dad was trying to teach us real estate while we were in college, saying, Look, I'm going to buy this house. You guys are going to rent it by the room. Yeah. It's got the detached casita. That's where Christian's going to play over there. So he had I his own manager, separated stuff you were yeah. managing the property yeah. collecting the rents from 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 me and the five other people that yeah there. You know when people didn't pay there's just five dudes in the in the g-spot just yeah. hanging out yeah, yeah. And, and, like and we threw all of we, th-
2: we threw our parties up you know <laughs> yeah, yeah of course parties and stuff but my just yeah, my, a bunch my, of dudes at your parties Oh no, no, no.
0: <laughs> Brian's face. Everybody's married five yeah. I'm
2: yeah. talking to two
0: married guys. They when, gotta be careful. When you're stuck with 25,000 people in the middle of some wheat fields in the Palouse, oh. it's go Coug time. Yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. yeah. They're, they're no short of uh, the good the good parties. But what we learned was wait a minute, why like in college, why would you even want to own a house? You just rent, right? And your dad taught us a valuable lesson. And then as soon as we graduated from college, your dad taught me another valuable lesson, which was you know, come stay at my uh, apartments on Broadway, yeah. right on Mill Avenue next to ASU. It was like five minutes away. Yeah, And you actually moved in there. Casa Ground Apartments. Ground apartments yeah. And that was like an 85
2: unit or something like yeah, that. Yeah. There was like 10 of us that moved from college and yeah. my dad had a vacant building and said, yeah. why don't you guys just all rent apartments here and Take over this one building. And then we
0: gotta see how we filled it up and how we were turning units. And Jeff Lampert was the carpenter. Yeah, and I was well, and, and I
2: was helping my dad remodel all these units while I was trying to get
0: my real estate license and we were Yeah. You know, what t- and ten I didn't minutes even know Scott's what was tail. happening. And that's the funny thing about life is if I would have known what I know now and you were to take me back to when I was 21 and I just moved here, of course, anybody that knows my story or follows me, I owned a merchandise business straight out of college. That I my started. dad told him to get a plane and
2: put Ragman Enterprises
0: on the side. <laughs> of. Ragman for the t-shirts. But basically I would have probably not nothing that I'd change in my career. I learned valuable lessons and I made, you know, millions of dollars and I provided, you know, hundreds of people employment. And I just loved that journey of starting my own apparel business in college and running that all the way through 2018. But if you would have taken the 21-year-old Bryant and you had Frank the mentor saying, this is how we turn over units, this is how we fill up an 85 unit, this is what my cost per door is, this is what we're going to be able to sell it on a cap rate, holy smoke. So the, the ability to just get in when you're early and understand whether it's commercial or multifamily or just real estate in general. It's going to be a life changer, but you but went what? and stayed in real estate. Yeah. But so they,
2: I saw they had like 3000 apartment units and it was mom and pop trying to manage all these.
1: That's crazy. Units. They didn't have a property manager. So is, they so were, Florence, it was mom. caught of property
2: no. management and my mom ran the office. They had like two or three people that worked in the office. My dad ran the construction crew. They do all their own rehab. They do, you know, all their own stuff. My dad was really good at finding deals, but he didn't understand time decay. So the longer he held it without doing the add value, it was kind of like, it just, it got extended and I started seeing how it was causing all this stress and strain. I was working for my dad, running one of his crews, getting my real estate license. And I was like, dude, multifamilies, these apartments are not for me. And I couldn't get my real estate license up here because we were so close to Scottsdale. And the classes were at eight o'clock in the morning and we were going out on a Wednesday night and I couldn't get into- (laughs) Priority. You were raging (laughs) a little too hard. 25 years old, dude. We came from the Palouse and we're living in Scottsdale. And so I ended up going down to
1: Tucson. How good is Scottsdale? Oh, it's It's awesome. It is so stacked with talent. Yeah. Thank you, ASU. (laughs) Thank you for recruiting all the best people from Washington and Seattle. Why do you think everyone wanted to
2: move down? And we came down here on a spring break trip and stayed with my parents in one of their apartments. And everyone was like,
1: we graduate in six months and we're moving to... Just <laughs> putting it you. out there, just so you know, I met Christian through Bryant by going to Rocky Point and raging in Rocky Point together back in the day. 2004. Cowboy,
2: cowboy legend.
1: Oh my God. That Remember was- the cowboy, oh. the
2: Bon Jovi cowboy hat? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but to, to
2: get back, so I saw my parents doing that. I moved down to Tucson. My dad introduced me to a gentleman named George Larson, who is one of the best human beings you could ever meet. He will share as much information. He's just a great down-to-earth guy. And he owns a ton of shopping centers in Tucson. He introduced me to CCIM, which I've had my CCIM designation. Explain what that is. It's it stands for Certified Commercial Investment Member. It's a pretty uh, prestigious designation that you get, no matter if you're a real estate agent, uh, you know, developer, uh, Architect and engineer just it's a institute that brings together all sorts of people in the commercial world. And if you have that designation, there's networking opportunities, there's educational opportunities. And so I make every person on our team like Armando, Brennan, all these people. If you want to work for us, you need to join the CCIM Institute and become a candidate because I know that I can only train you so much and that you'll get the right training going through those courses and building a foundation. So
1: George Larson got me into CCIM. So real quick, real quick, I just have a quick question for anybody listening about how much time does it take and what does it cost to become a commercial real estate agent?
2: Uh, so since we're talking about CCIM, I mean, if you go check out Hungry on Instagram and talk about, you know, why you want to be a CCIM, why you want to work with a CCIM, things like that. It's... By the way,
1: Hungry is his company. Yes. Hungry. Yeah. What What is the, what? when where did you just tell people to go?
2: Uh, on Instagram? Hungry-inc.com is our website. You can go to Instagram at Hungry Investments.
1: Right, there you go. At Hungry Investments. Okay, cool. So, So anyway, so just real quick, I want to know, like, what does it cost to be a commercial real estate agent, approximately? I mean, to
2: be an agent is different, obviously, than trying to get into development. It took me 20 years to get to the point where we started hungry a year ago. Um, You have to have a lot of financial backing for that, which we were strategic about. Uh, But as far as starting and becoming an agent, I mean, you find a brokerage that you want to affiliate yourself with. I would highly recommend anybody that's new that wants to start doing commercial, even if you don't want to become an agent to look at the CCIM Institute to look at it with what we do with triple net retail shopping centers, look at ICSC stands for the international, uh, what is it? International council of shopping centers. So ICSC is the large Institute for retail. Um, you can join that as an, as a member, we go to the national uh, shopping center conference every year in Las Vegas. That's where all the national you know, credit tenants send their real estate groups. That's where all the developers are. That's where all the, you know, people that are lending the hedge funds, all that kind of stuff. So um as far as getting started, the cost, I don't know. It's yes, I mean thousand dollars to get started. Yeah, that's
1: what it's saying online. Thousand bucks.
2: Six hundred to a thousand six, dollars become a member and then, you know, ICSC is another 1, thousand twelve hundred. So twenty five hundred dollars, but you have to to get into commercial, anyone can go buy a shopping center. You're going to end up with mom and pops, which are not the worst thing in the world. But there's levels to what we're doing.
1: I'm going to get to that real quick. I just trying to get a foundation. Yeah. So like like anybody can go pay a thousand bucks become or less and become a commercial real estate agent. What are some good brokerages out there? Uh, if you want to be part of a big shop, uh, the national guys.
2: Would be Matthews, Marcus and Milichap, CBRE, Jones Lang LaSalle, Cushman Wakefield. Every region, every, you know, market has their own competitive boutique shops. I'd say like here, you know, here in Phoenix, we've got some smaller groups like Levros. Uh, we've got, you know, there's guys that are doing development and brokerage, which gets a little, you know, it gets a little kind of gray area in there. Um, You've got Phoenix Commercial Advisors here in Tucson. You've got uh, what's Craig Finfrock's uh, a buddy of ours. He's got uh, he's got a boutique brokerage down there. Born partners Polack,
0: like what you see.
2: So in Arizona,
0: you see Michael Pollock Pollock everywhere. So
2: Michael's a I mean he's an investor, so he owns a lot of property and he self leases. So that's a big difference
1: that you see. So people aren't going to him hanging a real estate license. His his is all for his in-house If you see his sign, he owns the property. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get to Michael Pollack because he's a wild character. Um, Okay. So uh, pay a thousand bucks, maybe decide if you want to do the CCIM thing, which is more of a specialty niche. Why? And we talked a little bit about your parents started in shopping or in multifamily, but they shifted. Out of multifamily, over into some shopping centers, right? Yeah. Okay. And you guys held those for many, many years and managed those. Is Was that your doing that you pushed them over into shopping centers? Yeah. So when they, when they had like roughly 3,000
2: apartment units spread out between Portland, Oregon, uh, here in Phoenix, Tucson, they started buying some stuff in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. It got to the point where... How do you manage that? Exactly, especially you know, my dad's so used to doing all the improvements and the renovations himself that he was kind of spread thin. He's driving here. He's trying to fly up to Portland. He's got people. Was, they started running into some. Now,
1: better. were you guys rich? Like, I, I'm uh, like, I mean, if you're a kid and you're looking up at the world and you're going, "Dad owns three thousand apartments," you don't really, he can't really connect the dots. But are you, are you balling out? You living well? I mean. As a you know, growing up in
2: junior high and high school, yeah, I mean, I didn't consider us rich. We lived on the river. We had a nice house. It wasn't like you know, it didn't look like some of these houses that you know we see. You know, like my you know, house, Circle G Pecan. Is that what you're trying to say? Pecan my house, gross. yeah, like yeah, the one you yeah. the one you built, big sexy house. Didn't didn't look like that. It was. A, I also called my house the G spot, but it was a modest. It was a modest house, and it was on the river, so we had all the the wave runners, and we went on trips and did that. But I think you know. Portfolio wise, I can tell you at one point before the market crashed in 07, my dad's portfolio was worth $58 million. I
0: remember when my dad talked to me and they came up for dad's weekend at Wazoo and we were 20 years old, 19 years old. And my dad sat me down and said, hey, I just want to let you know, you know. That Christian and the, and the Kata family, I not only do I like them as humans, but I respect them as business people as well. And you have a lot to learn from Mister Kata, and mm. and 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 his son. And uh, you know, take advantage of that relationship and 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 learn. Yeah, you know, Good don't insights. just don't just party because when you, you your dad Frank talked to my dad, you know. They had conversations that we didn't even think about or yeah. know about. Yeah, but my dad was really in awe of you know the ability to go and build a fifty-eight million dollar portfolio, and how that looked. And you wouldn't tell it. I could I couldn't tell it by looking at your mom, your dad, by the vehicles that they drove, or I mean your 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 parents today stay in a three four hundred thousand dollar ranch style house in Tucson, but they could be in a three four million dollar house on you know the top, on top school. of the ski mountain. So uh, it's don't, always that millionaire next door yeah. that you're kind of like, but but I, I love that was that was, they the, don't that don't was want, why they don't like want to, the big house.
2: My, my mom, mom just looks at it as more, more house for her to clean. Yeah. It. But that's yeah. why
0: they looked at property management and I'm gonna fix it. And eventually to scale, you need to hire the property management company. So my dad hire,
2: Yeah out. my my dad was really good at finding opportunities, seeing opportunities. Um I think he wasn't the most organized Uh, My mom was the organized one. And
1: I'm still tripping that your parents self-managed thousands of units in multiple states. All you little whiny (laughs) crybaby wannabe investors bitching and moaning because you got 15 units and you're losing your mind because one tenant's not paying. I cannot imagine. 3,000. That's insane. So, so anyway, all right. So the evolution, I want to get to like talking about what we're doing together yeah. because it's really cool and it's very exciting and people that are listening can actually participate and, and play along if they want not only learn about the commercial side of things, but also make great returns. So um, y- you're, you're watching your parents. Now you're in commercial real estate. You're kind of doing your thing. And you've you've flown the nest. You're 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 out in the real world now being taught by other commercial badasses and developers. And you've worked always kind of worked on the developer side of things, kind of being in their shop, helping them figure out how to do more development projects. So you learn how to analyze a good deal, right? And you learn how, what, what the numbers needed to be. And you kind of realized all the moving pieces to pull the whole entire deal together from the legal to the development side, the engineering side, the, the working with the city and the city planning stuff. And then actually the development side of things, and then the tenanting out and bringing income from it and all that. And then the management side of things. So you, you've had like this backseat for how many years, 20 years, pulling all this shit together. Yeah. At what point did your parents finally trust you enough to go, all right, Christian, I'm going to trust you. We're going to fire, we're going to sell all these mofos and we're going to get into shopping centers. At what point did my dad finally trust me or and my mom?
2: 18 months ago. <laughs> when, when I sold that last shopping center in Texas and we set this up. So honestly, <laughs> even when my dad got ill, He's still, when he first started having issues talking after he had a bunch of strokes, he's still giving me shit. Like, wow, yeah, this
0: is the way he is—the way he raised you, you know. Yeah, want to teach you through lessons. He want to teach you through. I
2: think now he, now he kind of sees what we're doing. They were just up here yesterday, like spur drop. I didn't even know they're they were coming, and he's looking around the house because you know we're doing remodeling our our house. Took him up, showed him Chandler and Cooper you know, showed them some of that
1: stuff. Now Chandler and Cooper is a five and a half acre project that we have. We're about to close on We've been in escrow for a while. We're, we're now closing on it. When? March 1st. March 1st. We will officially own the five and a half acres of dirt up against the canal right now. Yep. It's right on the, it's a hard street corner right on Chandler Boulevard and Cooper road in Chandler, Arizona. You can Google map it. You can't miss it. And uh, what's our plan with that project?
2: Uh, we, So we put in an escrow in July and went through the whole process of, uh, doing what's called a pre-application, uh, packet, working with our attorneys to, uh, get feedback from the city. So it's the first step in a long process of making sure you have all your entitlements to be able to do exactly specifically what you want to do. So, and what's entitlements? So entitlements are the legal, uh, Basically, it's the, the documentation that the city gives you that says, yes, you can do these things that you can develop these things that you've uh, submitted to us and that we've given you approval on. But they come with a large, long list of caveats of, you know, site work and
1: things they want. Right the city away. Away. Yeah. So essentially, when you entitle a property, you're changing its usage in some way, shape or form. You're going to the city in and paper, you're saying, hey, yeah, in paper. here's our plan of what we want to do with this land and the city goes uh no we don't want you to do that we're willing to let you do some of that but here's all the other little things we want you to change use our add. project specifically because before we put in an
2: escrow there was two other developers one was a multi-family developer and the city said shoo
1: we don't want more multi-family we are stacked with the multi-family you yep. don't want and the, the neighbors
2: neighbors did too neighbors came up in arms said You put apartments here, you're going to put a strain on the schools. You're going to add more, too much traffic, too many, too much congestion. So those developers took off. They were out. Yep. Then the second guys came and these are some of the biggest assisted living developers in the country. And they said, okay, well, we, we work with elderly people, so we won't have the the traffic traffic issue and we won't put a strain on the schools. But we need four stories in order to make our project work. And the city said, You'll never get four stories.
1: What what were they saying? It was okay, two? Two. Yeah. And they looked at their numbers and said, no, We know we can't make the numbers work. It's not work. worth it it's for too them. Expensive.
2: Yeah. It's not worth it for them to even try and get the price down because it takes the same amount of time. So they develop. went
1: down the street to another parcel probably. and the city probably said, Okay. And because it's parcel by parcel, it's area by area. Yep. And so it, the entitlement process about on average, how long does that take to take raw dirt or even we just recently purchased some banks yep. and we want to do other things other than run a bank in the old bank buildings. And we bought two of these, yep. right? One in Tucson and one here in the Valley. Yep. And uh, so anyway, we, those they might become car washes they might become drive through restaurants they might become a circle k we don't know what they're going to become right now we got a bunch of potential people interested in them but no matter who buys the banks from us or hires us to redevelop the banks we got to go through this entitlement
2: there is this a, changing of usage there's always an entitlement process it's just to what degree do you have to change the the entitlements so it could be a shorter you know, you're you're just asking them to give you a conditional use permit for a user or like what we're doing in Chandler and Cooper. There's layers to it. I mean, we could get real deep. on. I'm going to get there. I'm going
1: I'm to pull back yeah. and go back there. But I just want everybody to know entitlement process could take anywhere from, you know, six, 10 months, six to s- three years. Yeah, years. And it depends on the layers and the complexity and how aggressive the city is. Um, there's been some where we're able to, you know, cut the parcel into three individual acres. Here's a and, good analogy. And we're good to go.
2: Here's a good analogy. A uh, simple entitlement process is getting a puzzle in a box, and all you have to do is make it look like the picture that's on the box. Now they got those crazy puzzles that are like 3D and stuff, right? That's what a complex entitlement looks like.
1: Yeah, it gets real, real, real heavy. And that's why we have, in the commercial world, you have attorneys involved, like big law firms. And like Civilized. and about what's this going to cost us, just a ballpark just to take and do the entitlement for the raw dirt. Because our plan in that which particular prep, which project, prep, which ones? Uh, Cooper Chandler. and Chandler, our plan for that is take the five and a half acres, figure out what the city will allow us to do, and at a bare minimum, put it into four parcels, Right. That's our goal. We might be forced to do three, but our goal is to get it to four. And each parcel will be either sold off or developed in some way where we end up continuing to own the land and do what's called a land lease back to the business that actually runs their business on our parcel. And so just for imaginary purposes, we might put a gas station or a car wash in one of the parcels and a fast drive-through restaurant in another parcel. Maybe like a coffee shop or... Right. And so some of those businesses uh, might want to actually own everything and some businesses won't. But what's cool about this process is once we get the entitlement done and about how much will that cost us in entitlements... This particular
2: project is more complex,
1: so 60 to $80,000. So we're going to float 60 to 80k for a year to a year and a half depending on, you know, hopefully less, but yeah. for depending on what the city says. And during that time, uh we're kind of shopping around who's interested in this area. Dating. Yeah, who's who really wants and we're trying to like get people ready to submit an LOI if and when the entitlements get approved.
2: No, they'll submit them before. Everything's going to have a contingency in there based on a couple of things that we have to get approved through the entitlement process. So we can get our LOIs, we can get our leases completely done with that one contingency or those two or three things. And then as soon as we get a rubber stamp from the city, those go away. And now it's- They're locked in. Yep. And so you're kind of
1: locking in your profits- from the it's still dirt. Yeah, the only thing we we can is know is exactly how
0: much we're gonna make and be waiting. You could still be in your IP during this process too. Like the fact is that we don't close till March, but we already have the LOIs. We already know what we need to do for you know the zoning approvals. We're, we're, we're yeah, we're, we're gonna we're, start. We're, we're we're literally almost done with the deal before we. We're actually working close. with the civil
2: engineers right now to put together a utility plan. Uh, because of our pre-application meeting, we know what the city wants from us for on and off-site work. So they want us to put a deceleration lane, a bus stop. We got to move a curb cut. We have to fight to keep a curb cut uh, because of what we're trying to do and knowing the neighborhood's, We're looking at creating a dedication for some excess land that sits in the back that we really can't
1: develop and giving it to the city and creating. Cody Sperber Park. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I love where our head's at here. We're going to do a a, a bronze statue of me and Hudson in the back. Yeah. It's going to be 30 foot tall. We're going to thank the city, Mm -hmm. this giant Sperber. Yeah. No, I, and and these are things that you don't really think about too, because it was like, when you say offsite work, a lot of investors, when they're new, they just like kind of pencil out, like, what is this project going to cost me to develop the land? You forget the city's going to go, no, you got to cut the whole street to pieces, put a deceleration lane in there, a new turning lane, a bus and stop. it'll be a million, a million and a half bucks. Yeah. And you're like, ugh.
0: That's you know, actually what we're penciling you right now. 1.5 million one. is 1.5. what we're, yeah. see, this yeah. is what happens when you're, when <laughs> you, you
2: didn't, you never knew how expensive a bus stop was to, to build until you. Oh yeah. Can we make
1: is. it a Cody Sperber bus stop? Can you we make your, it a special, like art, you know those, artsy, those artsy shirts bus stop? and those
2: socks that get your face all over it? Can we put it just on the back of it <laughs> with the clever hat?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just want the bus stop at the top of it to say, take care, comb your hair. That'd be amazing.
0: Yeah, and The um, cool thing is also when you uh, do a ground lease and uh, a tenant builds the structure on it, that structure stays at the end of the lease. So you actually get a free building. Right, let's, let's just, open that, that. Let's just like open that up real quick. Let's just open that up real quick. How to get
1: free building? So let's say one of our
0: <laughs> buyers or
1: users happens to be, uh, I'm making this up, but like a, a coffee shop with a drive through We get the entitlements done. We sell off one plot to a car wash, another plot to a, give me another example, a hotel. I don't know. I'm making shit up. Uh, A burger uh, joint. A a burger joint. So we got a car wash or a gas station. We got a burger joint. Then we got this little coffee shop and the coffee shop's like, listen, I don't want to own this, but I, I will lock in a, a really, and it's a national coffee shop that's starting to scale, right? Or a somewhat national coffee shop that's starting to There's scale. a
2: million of them right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they're in a bunch of other states. They're trying to break in Arizona and take over market share. So they come to us, they get word that we have this parcel and they're like, that's perfect, we want that. How do you structure that and what does it look like from an investment standpoint? So we're gonna lock them into what, a premium lease for 15 years with- 10 to 15. So 10 to 15 years at a premium Per square footage. Well, we
2: just did this this morning. So Phil, Phil and I, our Phil, our other partner, um, we had a Zoom call with our leasing team to go through a bunch of the LOIs that have been submitted because we have been sitting here stalling on sending them responses because we had to re- rework the terms of, of the purchase. And so now that that- That was Phil or was that D? What? Was it Phil or D that did that? Phil. Not D? No. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Am I, what am I missing? No, I didn't know. I didn't know who it was. (laughs) No, Phil, Phil and I had a call with, with our leasing team. And so we went through all the LOIs, but we have to weigh because we're not just getting, you know, ground leases are great. And I know that everybody that hears this and start, if they go start Googling a ground lease, they're going to be like, what? I can do that. Because as soon as you tell someone what a ground lease is, they're like, that's all I want to do. It's great because you eliminate all your builder's risk. But some of these, if you want to work with national credit tenants, you have to be able, you got to work somewhat within their terms too. So let's use Starbucks, for example. They will only do a build to suit. Uh, Are you going to say no to Starbucks because you don't want to build the building? Maybe if you don't know how to build the building. So then your power team is a preferred developer. Uh, No, you're not bringing in a preferred developer. We, you, you would bring in, you would make sure that you've got people on your team that can handle that. Like we can handle that. If somebody had a piece of dirt and Starbucks wanted to be there and they're like, well, they'll only do a build a suit. Yeah. They could contact us. We could, it would be a JV. We would bring someone in that was qualified and knew how to, you know, put the numbers together and do that. But what we did this morning is we went through and weighed out. We've got three of the exact same competitors, all in the same niche that want one of the pads on our project.
1: So many of our listeners reach out and they ask us how they can get involved in my actual real estate deals. Our investment firm specializes in finding deeply discounted properties, acquiring them, renovating, stabilizing both single family and multifamily properties all over the United States. That's why we're so excited to share with you clevercapitalfund.com. Now, if you have some investment capital and you want to deploy it and receive double digit returns back by real estate, then visit our website and see which fund is right for you. We have both equity funds and we have funds where you just get paid out every month like clockwork. All you got to do is visit www.clevercapitalfund.com today to learn more.
2: Two of them are offering
1: to buy it and one said, we'll we'll do a ground lease. So if we decided to do the ground lease, the ground lease would be like, hey, you're going to pay us premium rents per per square foot and we're going to lock you into a 10-year lease. At the end of ten years, it renews automatically for another what? Ten years?
2: Usually, years? usually a ground lease is going to come anywhere from ten to fifteen years on the initial term, and then you're going to have four or
1: five renewals. five-year renewals. Got it. So it'll automatically renew every for another five years at the end of the ten years, and, and then the five years later, rent it'll keeps going. And up. the rent pops up. And if at any point in time they say, Hey, it's been 15 years. We're out. We don't want to do this anymore. They literally leave and you inherit the building. Yep. That's it. So that's, what's kind of cool. That's what you were getting at with that's kind of fun about a ground lease is because you end up owning the real estate and you can just start all over again and redo it with somebody else.
2: Yeah. The one big difference in commercial for the most part is depending on a lot of these buildings are specific use Built for specific uses, so you get these tenants. Like I've had this conversation a lot. Let's use Chipotle for example. All of a sudden, now you see Chipotle with their—it's not a drive-through; it's a pickup line, right? And the reason that they did that is because when COVID hit, they all of a sudden realized we can make a ton of money using you know with people just coming through this pickup line. Same thing with all these new places that now want drive throughs. This is why drive throughs are becoming kind of a, a crux position for the municipalities. So they build their buildings and their footprints, their prototypes specifically to their business model because they know how to, they've figured out how to maximize their sales per square
1: foot. So they know. So you're talking about like a salad and go building is so unique to salad and go. They're like these tiny gonna, little.
2: It'll be real interesting.
1: In like 10
2: years to see how some of these buildings, if they leave them or they go. I could see the
1: salad and go converting
2: to a coffee shop. Yeah. That'd be a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, a burger joint corporate, they'd rather just bulldoze the building and put a new one up. So it fits specifically in their box. Whereas if you're dealing with a franchisee in the market, they're looking at, well, shoot, I have to
1: spend how much to build that building or I can spend a little bit, and just retrofit and, yeah. something that's already there. Yeah. Now, and but what the other reason I like it is you you still own the real estate, so you get the depreciation. Yeah. You get to the tax write offs. All right. So anyway, let's let's kind of keep it moving. So we you you you're working with your parents. You convince them to move a, a bunch of stuff over. They own commercial for many years. They eventually sell out of everything, and recently we started. You started hungry investments. Yeah. And you brought in Brian and I. To do a bunch of projects together, and so in a what HDP, what? yeah, yeah, in about uh, what is HDP? Hungry Development Partners. There you go. And uh, what 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 uh, we're, we've done in about what a,
2: it took us a year to get things rolling, but in the last six months, six months or six so, months, we've got like six five deals, one more that we're trying to lock
1: up. Yeah. So just spit them out. What what deals we got going on right now?
2: Uh, we have the two bank deals and the bank deals. Took a lot of front end work because we had to get approved, become approved buyers, uh, very much relationship, like working relationships. And then, uh, we've got some really good partners that we can come in and, you know, buy these things flex.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's nice when, when you have a billionaire as a backer.
2: Yeah. And, and just, it's very much this side of the
1: business is relationship driven. I mean so let's talk about that. Can the average Joe listening to this podcast roll up and buy a bank? No. Okay, why?
2: Uh, because Wells Fargo won't even open your email and you won't get a hold of anyone on a on a phone call.
1: So this is controlled by a good old boy commercial network. Blue blood. Blue blood. Yeah. I like that. It's well, Texas. Style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I
0: love about the commercial space is the risk mitigation. Up front. And, and the ability for the profits to be high, usually think higher the profit, higher the risk. This is the exact opposite. This is already cash flowing. It's a value-add opportunity that's already making money. And you, you, you know, you're going to be with able what? to sell it at yeah. a better cap rate by doing these things to it. And so with what we're, we're doing, raising capital, the risk associated for our investors on those types of deals is way lower you know, and the, the, there's a higher end.
2: We, him Um, and I talk about this a lot. The difference with multifamily and triple net is yeah, the pro formas three to five years and the numbers look good, but you don't know where the rents are going. You don't know what the vacancy rates you think you're going to get it to 90% occupancy, but who knows how long that's going to take. When we're talking about, either a single tenant or a small multi-tenant building. Let's put the shopping centers aside. That's different, you know, a little different. We can do a lot of stuff up front. The bank deals are a little different, but they're also A-plus real estate. Corporate guarantees. These tenants are not
0: wanting to ruin their credit.
2: Even if they close with their leases, they're still paying rent. So there's a lot, there's strategies we could get into. So these
1: are triple A credit rated people that end up using these spaces. 100,000 plus cars go by every single, what week? Day. Day. Every single day, 100,000 plus cars. We're talking about big chains want these type of locations. Yeah, they're by the the grocery stores, the targets. You've heard of these chains. And that's why it's that's what you're talking about. You de-risk so much on the front end. So when we're going in to buy a bank, we're leveraging your good old boy network. We're getting tipped off, like, hey, these banks are coming. And we've made offers on a half a dozen or we so banks. And we almost got a couple yeah. and we just missed. And then all of a sudden, two popped. And it's like, oh shit, we're buying banks. This is kind of cool. How are we going to, how first off, we needed the good old boy network to get in there. And and then we needed the financial wherewithal to be able to go to these big banks that are selling and show them that we can fund these things very quickly. And that, and so when you're making an offer on something like a bank, we're incentivizing them by saying, here's our proof of funds. Here's how fast we can close. We don't here's care. Here's our track record. We, here's our track record. We don't need you to touch it. We're just, we'll close in X amount of days. It's almost like you're buying residential and you're trying to like, incentivize them to sell to you versus the 10 other offers that they have on there. And it's whoever they like the best or whoever. And if you perform,
2: once you perform, you're on a, like a Dean's list. Yeah. Um,
0: We were, were, your picture is up at headquarters. Yeah. But if you
2: don't, you could go, it's Christmas time. So let's use the naughty and nice list. Right. So, I mean, you know, if you perform, it's that much easier yeah, of course. To be accepted and win a bid going forward. Josh and
0: Bill with CBRE were in our office here just last week, and they literally just got done telling us that they, for lack of better words, they blackballed this one group because they were retrading every, every deal. single deal. And so they don't even look at those offers because they always came in high. They were always the highest offers, but they found out there was a lot of cancellations. There was a lot of retrading. There was a lot of give me the price difference. So you you flip back to the residential, it's like, Some educators out there, they just say, get control, get it under contract. And they're teaching, you know, these people to go lock up stuff for more than it could be sold for. That carried over in some of the commercial stuff. Won't work. That's where you get blackballed. Now you can't even get your emails. Open like Christian's saying, but so they we're, won't. We're, they won't even get a seat at the table. Yeah, we're closing deals, and so you got to be careful that you're not just trying to retrade and get things under contract because you only have one reputation in commercial. With wholesale, it seems like you're always on to the next subdivision. Yeah, they, the next nobody's house.
1: talking to each other. But it's funny, when,
2: that he he used that term. So when I worked at Born Partners in Tucson, one of my mentors and this stuck with me forever. They they call him the professor, but he said in this business. There's only two things you have that no one can take away from you, one is your reputation, and two is your rolodex. And so that's kind of like carried
1: over into yeah. That's that's great advice. Yeah. Okay. So so we got the two banks, and our plan is to, or you know, figure out with the city and all these potential letter of intents from all these people that m- might want to use it. What is the best end usage for it, and which direction we're going to go? So it's a little too early to tell exactly what we're doing with those.
2: Yeah. Okay. Chipotle loves banks, though. He, they do, but we also have to figure out how the numbers work.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah It's How much were these banks in general, ballpark? Uh, two, range, give me a range. Two million. Or tell me exactly. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> okay, two million-ish, there you go. <laughs> All right, and uh, and uh, so we got the two banks. We got the five and a half acres over in Chandler and Cooper. What else we got?
2: Uh, we've got a... Small deal in Flagstaff, half acre,
1: half acre, right across from the mall, and we're hopefully putting a uh, coffee shop, coffee duck. shop there.
2: Yep. Yeah, we, we've been working on that for a while. Yeah, we've had we had one coffee shop that got it got turned down because their operations team they're new to the market, so their operations team said they couldn't do one without doing a second.
1: We need two in in the in Flagstaff too, market, too far, or we can't too do far them. away from Phoenix. Okay. Well, you but we know, got,
2: but we got a better one teed up.
1: Okay. And, and we're, we're just waiting on the city or who? what are we waiting uh, on that yeah. one? Yeah.
2: So in order for us to move forward, this is, so to go back to your, the whole conversation on entitlements, every single municipality is, has their own set of rules. So it's not like there's a, you couldn't just put a course together and, and necessarily teach it and have it be
1: applicable everywhere.
2: Yeah. Because every yeah. city is different. So for example, in Flagstaff right now, We've had this thing going on two years and I did the first half of the entitlement. It's not zoned. It's the only piece of, of property along the main highway near the mall that is not zoned for a drive through It's the only piece left. So the city's like, of course we want it. You know, yeah, we'll work with you. Okay, great. So I start the process. I get the initial halfway point done with this coffee shop. And then they tell me, well, we can't move forward until
1: there's a second one.
2: Yeah. Until we have a second location. So then we turn and we start trying to, there's only three areas in Flagstaff where you would possibly put one. And the other two are so competitive that we're trying to turn over every stone and find a second or a third deal. Well, luckily, as we're going along, we said, let's just start marketing it again. And we get a better coffee shop, in my opinion, that is like, oh, that works perfect for us. And so now we've been stalled because the size of this property, the city will only allow us to move forward if they know who the user is. That's the only way that they'll do the rezone. It has to be tied to the user. So in the next 30 or 45 days, we should be able to start the process again. And it'll take another seven to twelve months just to finish it.
1: And on uh, three uh, years for a half. How much are we going to make on
2: that project? For all this work. Uh well, projected three year projects. So
1: um about six hundred thousand. All right. Not bad for a little coffee shop. One of many deals. All right. And what uh what else we got? Uh we
2: are looking at two and a half acres in Queen Creek. That's a new deal that I haven't
1: yeah, I haven't heard about this one. No. What do
2: we want to do with it? Uh the brokers got an LOI from a coffee shop. Di- Fucking coffee shop, different coffee shop, uh, and then uh, fast food restaurant, and maybe some overflow from another project that our buddy that that we're working with on our leasing team. So what's has. a good
0: what's a good buy box? I mean, for the people listening, they're driving down the road, they see dirt on a corner. Does the does it need to be a high traffic intersection? Like what are what are what are we what are we looking for that you know people that either want to get started in this. Uh, Would start looking as like, that's an opportunity or that's an opportunity or lead that I can give to the hungry team. So typically what I tell people is the closer to the hard
2: corner you can get, the better it is. Right. So the further we start getting away from the lighted intersection, the less attractive it is. Uh, Typically what we want to see is something that has what's called full motion or full access. So. Can you get to it if you're heading this direction by turning left because there's a median break? Can you turn right? Can you turn left out? Can yeah. So you're not messing with the offsite stuff? Most of it's already in. And these retailers are going to want that. So the less of that you have and the further from the corner, your rents start going like this. They start dwindling.
0: How many um, acres are, are – does it need to be tons of – you know, dirt, or can it be just it's, a half acre, one acre, two yeah. acres? Yeah, I
2: mean, look at our Flagstaff deals a half acre because it has access, mm-hmm. right? We can't do a half acre with no access. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, each if, pad, you know, we have five and a half acres. We're talking about four pads. So, so is that like a uh, 1.25, you know, the bu- for each pad? The building,
2: the building and the size of the land is based on the city's requirements for parking, for uh, turning radiuses, things like that. So we can look at smaller stuff if it has what's called reciprocal parking, or we can get time to go to the adjacent owner and say, hey, you've got all this extra parking. Could we give you some cash and put a reciprocal parking agreement in place? Like So we can go as small as a half acre, and there's not an upper limit. I mean, we've just chosen to stay in that three to five acre territory for now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that when we get done with our next
0: 10 so deals so what i've what i've learned is when there's dirt that means that there's an entitlement development opportunity to put end users either through a ground lease or sell out and subdivide yeah i mean and then i've realized When there's a smoke shop, like there happens to be on University Drive and Mill Avenue, and it's just sitting there on this corner, right? Actually go over by Broadway Apartments, and it's just a smoke shop, but it has a for sale sign in the yard. That lead is something that might be converted to a McDonald's, a Chipotle, and that's our end user. Depending on the size. On the residential side, for all our viewers that are wholesalers, you're always trying to figure out, like, how do I reverse engineer the transaction? Well, that's exactly how you do it. You know that this person buys stuff on a corner. It doesn't matter if there's a dirt or if it doesn't matter if it's three to five acres. And it doesn't matter if there's a building on it. It could be turned into something. So now so when you're driving down the road to go to your restaurant or go get food or go to the grocery store, start looking at the corners and what's surrounding and any for sale posts. If there's a for sale post with the brokerage, does that mean it's too late? Everybody's seen it. How do you get in before?
2: You're looking at if if you see an intersection and you see a Starbucks, a McDonald's, uh, a car wash. If you start seeing some of these players locating there, you want to you want to take a look and see what are the older buildings. What are like that looks like that a restaurant that's been there for fifteen years and they're they're not open all the time, or you know the seafood buffet place that has like a two-star health rating. I don't see food, food gourmet <laughs> over there. The Pollock one yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that we went
0: and looked at when we were thinking about our next building. Oh, I remember. Oh, you had us in the kitchen. It smelled like this across the street was Hoosier's cafe and it was empty breakfast place. I mean, that's the type of stuff yeah. that we're talking about though, yeah. right? That's gold.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, we could parlay this into a bigger conversation too, because we are looking at strip centers. So, I mean, you want to talk about the buy box. Yes for the most part we've been talking about developing and doing these single tenant deals but we're interested and in looking for the 15 or 20,000 square foot shopping center that's right across the street from the big grocer or you know the Walmart or whatever like we can When you say a shopping center to me I'm thinking like fries We don't want, you know, we don't want the center where Fry's is because Fry's owns their own building. Yep. And they're selling the, it's called, it's called shadow anchored space is all the little shops next to it. Those get sold for a premium to somebody that wants clips. No, no, no. To an investor that wants to own those and collect the rent. What we want is the center that's across the street that has a 10,000 square foot vacancy and it's got a bunch of parking. And I'm not telling you
1: why we'll show you. Okay. So let's tie a little bow on this just cause we're talking about a lot and this is going to take way more than just one podcast. So, <laughs> so w- we started six months ago, really ramping up with the hungry, uh, Bryant Cody partnership. And in that amount of time, we got three or four killer little projects going. We got the banks, we got the, little tiny thing up in Flagstaff with the with the coffee shop. We got the hard street corner and we're cutting our teeth. And this is exciting. And where we want to go is to do a lot more of these type of developments and a lot more single tenant triple net lease stuff. So real fast, what is a single tenant triple net lease? What does that mean? So single tenant net lease or triple net lease
2: means that you've got one parcel with one building that's fully leased by that tenant. Uh, the triple net component of that means they pay the taxes, the insurance, and all of the expenses on the property. So, some- so you
1: as the investor who owns that building, that tenant takes care of everything. They call it mailbox money. So I'm just chilling, and I get my mailbox money. And the tenant, if the roof gets a leak, fix it on your own. Yep. Taxes need paid? Pay those. That's babies. why the
0: investors love these types of deals because it's mailbox money. They can depend on that coming in and they don't have to fix or touch anything which in multifamily you're always going to have to fix the leaky roof or the toilet and same with single family with this you do not yeah you see a lot of high net worth individuals that are the buyers for the
2: projects that we're developing on the back end because you know, doc you know dr smith has all this cash sitting in the bank that's only getting him you know half a half a percent in interest if that and so he can go take,
1: you know. He can go buy a, and, a CVS and then, yeah. somewhere six and six own the building. CVS or, is a triple A rated tenant. Right off the It's a triple net lease. And, yeah. So, so he puts the money out for a couple million bucks, buys the building, gets the, so let's say the building was 5 million bucks. Yeah. Not only does he get a great tenant that's going to pay the lease, you're not really worried about them paying. it. 10 plus years, 15 years. You're going to get like, I don't know, four or five cap on your money or whatever you're going to get, right? Yeah. And plus, uh, just to put it in perspective, for that $5 million purchase, the IRS says you can depreciate that over, what, 39 years, which is $128,205.13 in write-offs every year against your earned income. That's if you don't cost seg it. That's if you don't accelerate the depreciation. That's if you just hold it for a long period of time and every year take your hundred and almost $30,000 in write-offs that doesn't include other expenses or anything like that. It's just the depreciation expense. So that's, this is why these high net worth individuals do it because it's hands off. They get their mailbox money, they get their tax benefit and they call it a day.
0: Yeah. And And so we're adding the value to get it into a position and put that tenant in there and then we're able to sell it at the better cap rates. And that's on the, and that's, that's one of our out,
1: goals is to find these yeah.
0: opportunities. And that's on the,
2: yeah. That's on the development side,
0: but on the shopping
2: center, strip center, whatever you want to call it. So I call it shopping center or strip center because it doesn't have t- a typical anchor. A typical anchor would be your Walmart, your target, your grocery yeah, the, store our shopping center slash strip center could be as big as 50,000 square feet. And our largest tenant might be 10,000 or 15,000
1: square feet. Okay. And so those are more for us to come in. Cause I get, I get pitched all the time on like, do you want to buy this? I don't know. Dollar general store in podunk wherever.
2: And they locate.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and they're everywhere and they're across the street from each other. Credit is awesome. Oh, I believe it. And, and, and it's, they're not that great of deals as far as like the investor, but it's a safe deal. It's an easy deal and it's consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to hang out with us as we start ramping up from here, cause not only do we have these going, Brian and I have our own projects going. We got a 67 acre big boy development where we're going to put affordable housing in there an affordable multifamily project, self-storage, RV parking, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, we we are moving very fast on that project, and uh, you know we're doing more on the on the residential and, and semi-use developments like that, where we could do a little bit of multifamily, a little self storage, a little affordable housing if you want to participate with us, Brian, how can they play with us? And how, how can we make other people money if they want to participate in any
0: of our cool deals? So the cool thing is, is that we have the opportunity right now um, for people to actually come in and learn, because I kind of put myself, you know, when I sold my company for millions, I was like, man, I don't, I have money, but I don't want to lose the money. Like, how can I actually get the education pay to play type of model? Right. And when I, you and i were talking about how what we want to do with our uh second fund our first credit fund was awesome uh investors made great money they're still getting great returns we're now on to our second fund now this one we're going to do a little bit different we're going to do an equity fund we're actually going to allow k1s to our investors we're actually going to open the door pull back the curtain into some of these deals that we're talking about and there'll be profit sharing on the deals for the investors. So they're going to it, be able to get a pref. And then they're also going to get all the, you know, education and see the actual profit on these deals and understand these types of deals. But it's going to be diversified. So we're going to blend it with those affordable housing opportunities, not the developments necessarily, but just quick Fourplexes plexes that we're going to build and quick, you know, fix and flips that we add value to and some new builds and specs, you know, that we've had major success making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on. And so we're actually, as each, de- each deal finishes, the investors that are in that fund are going to receive a portion of their cap X, so they're basically making money as we close out each quarters of deals, and those deals that are also going to play in Clever Capital Fund's equity fund are going to be some of these little, very little real low risk value add single tenant net lease deals. So, if you want to learn more, you can send us an email at invest at cl- clevercapitalfund.com. You can also go to clevercapitalfund.com. The new website is amazing. We blended in all of our uh, commercial stuff and uh, retail stuff and strip mill stuff, and we're just elevating the game. And we want to encourage everybody to come along for the journey and uh, learn how to do commercial and understand how to break down these deals and why we underwrite these deals the way we do and how we make money and get a a double digit return as you go. Right now we have a 12 month commitment, a 36 month commitment and a 60 month commitment. And then we utilize those funds based on the turnarounds. If it's a development or if it's a new build or if it's a fix and flip, we'll put those funds in those places. So
1: if they got money in their 401k or if they got money sitting around just some mattress money or not, you know, in the stock market, they want to cash out. They want to put it in here. Let's say you got the 250,000. They get to pick between, I want to lock my money up in clever capital funds, equity fund for one year, two years or three years. One, one year, three years or five years. One one year, three years or five years. Sorry. Yep. And we're gonna take that money and we're gonna say, Christian, we got dough. We gotta spend it. Let's go. And you're gonna reach through your network and you're going to call me up one day and say, we got another bank. We want to convert the bank to a circle K. We think that we can circle K is very interested. I'm making this up by the way, Uh, very interested in this particular location because they need a store there. And we think we can get the city to work with us. And on the back end of it, we should make between a million and a half to two and a half million bucks. Am I ballparking in the general area? Okay, cool.
2: Here, this this is a quick and easy. We won't look at a deal if it's not a 1.5 return, return multiple.
1: Okay, cool. So, so what I'm saying is we're going to take our entire team, all of our years in, of experience, all of our resources, we're going to do hundred percent of all the work you put your 250,000 bucks in now, now you can earn whatever 14% returns on your money. You get the K one, you get to participate in our projects, learn the entire time of exactly how we're doing, what we're doing and all that good stuff and build a relationship with us. That's the play. Yeah. Super simple. And where else are you going to get get those type of opportunities? Right, what are you going to do? Break into the good old boy network, spend 20 years doing commercial real estate, get your CCIM, uh go out there flip 3000 houses, do 5 years of a development before you get an opportunity to sit at our table? No.
2: Well, here's one. You're I- just
1: going to you're just going to go to clevercapitalfund.com and literally click some buttons. Fire over your money and let's get to work.
0: There's it's gonna one- be a reg D 506C for accredited investors only. And again, you know, talk to your CPA, talked about how to invest from your retirement account for tax deferred or tax-free money. And if you got, you know, opportunities and you're accredited, you know, please have a conversation with us. We'd love to get to know you. We got an amazing pitch deck and we're really making uh big waves and we're doing this deals. So let me let me end
2: on this too. If you are thinking that you want to invest. And you're nervous because interest rates went up from 3% to 8% and the market, you know, no one's sure what's going to happen. Warren Buffett says you can see who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And for us, that's a huge opportunity. Look at what happened since interest rates went up. There's less people competing for these deals. The people that don't know how to fully underwrite these deals are now not sure how to move forward, right? They can't get funding. There's less traditional funding out there. And so what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in a position to take advantage of opportunities. So one of those opportunities that we will probably see more of in the next six to 12 months is what we call broken deals. Somebody else, that had a great deal and now they're just trying to save their hide because they don't want to lose everything. They'd rather Mm -hmm. lose a little. They don't want to go on the naughty list. (laughs) <laughs> or or they just don't want to lose all yeah. the money they put in here. So if they can, you know, lose a little bit instead of losing a whole bunch, they're better
1: off doing that. Oh, I love broken deals. That sounds sexy. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting real estate chub right now. Just thinking, thinking about yeah. those broken deals. Yeah. Um, by the way, an accredited investor is anybody who has, uh, made at least $200,000 a year for the last couple of years and you intend on making it again, or if you are married $300,000 a year as a, as a partnership.
0: And, or and, if you have a million dollars of net worth, um, and you know, not including the, your that, primary residence that will also get you, get you qualified. Um, And we also have opportunities coming in the door for non-accredited investors as well. So real quick, where can can you go to 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 get verified accredited? Verifyinvestor.com.
1: There you go. (laughs) So it's that simple. Go to verifyinvestor.com, fill out the little information. It'll say, Hey, congratulations, you're accredited. So that way, when you go and try to jump into our deals, a fund, any fund, if they're requiring you to be accredited, you're already prepared and can show that you're accredited. So, we want to work with you. And uh, look, maybe you're not accredited, but you inherited 5 million dollars cuz daddy did some power moves. Cool, we want to talk to you too. We'll put you in as an equity partner in some of our deals. If you can put up 2 million bucks, 3 million bucks, and you <laughs> and you're the one person that listens to the Clever Investor show that has that kind of money, uh talk to us. Like we'll we'll just make you an equity partner. Yeah. I don't know. We'll give you I mean, you got that kind of money. I'll give you what? 30 Percent of the deal,
0: let's go. Every deal is different, but yeah. that would be outside the fund.
1: Yeah, of course. All right, thanks guys for hanging out with us, Christian. Awesome. It was cool to have you on. We got to talk more commercial real estate. I wanna, I wanna go to the bank, film some cool content. Yeah, that's for
0: sure. Standing in the vault. Yeah. Can that's you wholesale amazing. a commercial deal, by the way, or do you have to take these down? Come on, Come on, at you me know we like, like, can you wholesale. Are at me like, I know All right, well, wholesale. we got something coming for that too. <laughs> we got some big,
1: big there. conversations right. coming about wholesaling commercial. Who wants to make f- Five to twenty grand on a wholesale deal when you can make a hundred and twenty five grand on a wholesale oh, deal. Snaps. Let's go flipping some commercial. Let's go. All right. Until then, uh we're out of here. Uh go to Clever Capital Fund if uh, you're interested in funding or getting involved in any of our projects. And uh just for hanging out. Um, if you're just starting off in real estate and you're like, holy moly, that was a high level conversation. I just was trying to flip a damn house. <laughs> I don't even know. I just want to wholesale one house and make 10, 15 grand. That sounds really good. I got Christmas bills. Let's go. Go to fliphousesbook.com. Uh, read the book. This is how I got started in real estate. I didn't start doing this stuff. I didn't start in the big leagues. It took me many years before I woke up and said, okay, I'm making too much money as a wholesaler. I got to, I got to shift over and get rid of some of these taxes and also work smarter, not harder. So, uh, go to fliphousesbook.com. It's okay to start where you got to start. Use the resources you got. There's no wrong way to do this business. As long as you get in, take action and uh, make money and have fun with it. All right. We're out here until next time. Take care. Come here. Peace. Hey, Cody Sperber, the original clever investor host of the clever investor show podcast. And I'm shooting this ad right now to let you know that this podcast exists. It's finally out and we have some amazing guests. So please, I'm begging you, can you just come and give our podcast a listen? I've been doing real estate for a really long time. I've accessed some of the coolest people in the world. We were having all these amazing conversations and I'm like, what are we doing? Let's record this and actually put it out on a podcast. But the problem is I have to let people know about it. That's where this ad comes in and this is where you come in. You're gonna be able to learn from successful entrepreneurs, get in-depth interviews from amazing leading experts. You're gonna learn real estate investing strategies and tactical training strategies that work in today's market. We're going over market analysis and different market predictions. You're gonna be able to engage in an awesome community. And we go into some pretty deep dives on the mindset of what it takes to win the game of money and in life. Plus lots of bonus resources and exclusive content. So what you're gonna to wanna to do right now is click the link that you see on your screen and give the show a subscribe today. We have amazing guests like Ken McElroy and Robert Kiyosaki and Wes Watson and Pace Morby and Jamil Damji and Vina Jetty and a whole host of amazing men and women entrepreneurs that you're going to love to learn from and get to know. So what you want to do right now is click that link and give the show a subscribe today.